Welcome to Decapod, where every fortnight we dive through the pop culture across the decades and we are currently trailblazing through the 1990s. And you may have noticed a slight change to the intro there in that I said fortnight rather than weekly because that's what we've done. So we'll allow ourselves a bit more time to dive into the element, aspect, whatever of pop culture we are currently looking at. And this week we are looking at the mighty Robin Williams. And as ever, it is not just me. I'm joined by the ever mighty Emma Morgan. How are Hi. we doing, Emma? I'm good. How are you? I am wonderful. Are you ready to drive this engine forward on this week's show? No. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Your hat that the listeners can't see would say otherwise. <laughs> My engine driver hat. Oh. Yeah, we tried to boost my confidence. Is it working? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, we have gone fortnightly rather than weekly. Is, have we got a good reason why we've gone fortnightly? Um, I think I had a bit of a meltdown. <laughs> Wasn't going to say that. Um, a chance to make it comical and lighthearted, but we can go with you having a meltdown. That's fine. <laughs> I think I think it's we might go back to weekly eventually. I think just at the minute, both of us have just got a lot on in professional sort of aspects of our lives, and it's just we want to make sure episodes are as good as they can be. And sometimes, particularly when we deep dive on a particular person, particularly when it's films, that's quite a lot of time to sort of make sure make sure that we've actually watched the films, Terry, because it would be awful, wouldn't it, if someone rocks up having not watched the stuff. I think we're always professional on, on these these episodes. Uh, and yes, also it gives us more time to edit the shows because now and again, I may say it's things that need tweaking slightly. Um, but either way, uh, today we are looking at Robin Williams. Um, and I will probably refer to him as Robbie Williams several times throughout <laughs> the episode. So when I do, just ignore me. I do mean Robin. Let's start with your overall thoughts on, on Robin Williams. Um. An absolute treasure, a complete hero of mine from a really young age. And I was really excited. In fact, the thing like when we made, made our list of stuff, I was like, hang on a minute, why isn't Robin Williams on our list? Because that's ridiculous. Because the man was a legend. Oh, it still hurts to say was, still hurts to say was. And actually, the 90s, I think, is probably one of his strongest decades of his of his work. So that's not going to feel a struggle to go back and like revisit some of those or even even watch a couple of new ones, which I might have done for this episode today. So I just think he was a one off, but so layered as well. So everybody knows him for being um, a comedian and being really funny. But his wealth of work and his ability as an actor was absolutely phenomenal. And it's still a, a major loss that he's no longer with us. I would largely agree with that. I think I've got a, an odd relationship with Robin Williams in that is the most wonderful, or was the most wonderful of people. And a mighty fine actor, and I'll come back to that in a second, but I don't think I've ever gravitated towards him. It's one of those things there's like some actors are famous people you naturally gravitate towards and it's weird because he would be someone I would expect to have that pull towards but I never had that draw so when you mentioned Robin Williams and uh, you know covering him for the 90s I think that's why it hadn't dawned on me because it's like well yeah I love this film and I love this film and it was great in this and great in this and oh, what an awesome human being but not someone I have an affinity with but I was also thinking 
where would he rank? So not just in the 90s, but sort of all time. Where would he rank in that sort of pathion of all-time greatest actors? You know, I'm not asking for a number, but would he be in that top bracket? Would he be just below it? Where, where would he be? I'd put him top five. Definitely put him top five. Uh, he, he was incredible. And some of the... I've been quite careful with my film choices to just show that breadth of talent that he had. Um, and the and I just had the absolute joyous thing of I watched a, a film of his that I hadn't seen before and it was the perfect example of him doing every kind of acting in one film and doing it beautifully. So I'd, I, he'd be my top five of all time greatest actors easily. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh... <laughs> I don't know if it'd be my top five. I've not done a, we should do a top 10 of greatest actors or acts yeah. of the 90s. That sounds like a fun list to do. It would probably be in my top 10. Um, I don't know if it'd be my top five, but I think that's more, like I said, because I've never had that affinity with him, but, which is weird. And I don't know why. I don't know why that, that, there isn't quite that connect there. But um, what I would say is that as I've gone through these films, I've watched some films I haven't seen before and I've seen some performances I haven't seen before. And we'll maybe come into this at the end. I won't say it now, but I think that the performance I think is best in, I think is probably the one that most people wouldn't agree with. But again, we'll, we'll speak about that at the end. And Because what we're doing on these now is rather than going through every single film he's done in the 90s, because Robin Williams did a lot of film in the 90s, that's like a six-hour episode. We've kind of picked a handful each and we don't know which... I don't know which films you've watched, you don't know which ones I've watched. There'll be obviously be some crossover there, but that's going to be interesting. Um, but maybe we can do a, a Patreon special on him at some time and literally do a deep dive into every film throughout the 90s. Or... I'm so glad you said this because I wanted to message you to say, can even if I have to do it on my own, can I do a Patreon special just on the new film I watched, which I'm not going to say what it is yet, but I, because I could literally talk about it for hours and I'm going to have to really sort of rein myself in a bit when we cover it for this so yes yes excellent anyway we are covering uh, robin williams across uh, there you go robbie williams across the 1990s um and i know that you have seen the first film that he did in the 90s which i also saw which was awakenings yes had you seen that film previously Yes, um, this film is the first film I ever properly sobbed crying to. Um, and I know I won't go on about it because I definitely mentioned this when we did 1990 because Awakenings was on my list. Um, yeah, so was, I think it was something, it was one of those films you used to put a film on after the news, Awakenings was on. I noticed, and I would have noticed it was Robin Williams, would have watched it. Um, and yeah, Robin Williams, um, Bobby De Niro and... Julie Kavner, a.k.a. Marge Simpson. I watched this film for the first time um, in preparation for this, this episode. I really liked it. Um, I think I got, I don't know, I think that I, when I first started watching it, I thought, this feels a bit weird, and I paused and I went and looked into the background a little mm. bit and saw that it was based loosely on a true story. And I think it threw me a little bit, finding out that beforehand. Because I'm watching, mm. thinking, I wonder if that bit was true. I wonder if that bit was true. <laughs> I, was, I was kind of watching a bit like that, hoping it was all true. 
well, maybe not the end bit, but you know, hoping that the 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 fact that is is, and I will just say as well, obviously, we are going to touch on some slight spoilers going through this episode, but we'll try not to go too deep into the spoilers in case you haven't seen them. But there's obviously, basically, it starts off with him finding a way to almost cure some of these patients that have this 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 disease or this illness, and um, yeah, it wasn't what I expected from this film. I think I had, I think I expected something supernatural. If I'm being honest with you. Oh wow! Oh yeah, I can get why you would think that. Yeah, I, I just remember. Um, I just loved it. So I am a massive empath. So films like this, they really get, they really, really tend to get under my skin. So I really went through the emotions of the film. Um, and again, I know it's a bit weird with spoilers, isn't it? Because I really want to talk about the ending, but then I probably shouldn't talk about the ending. But the ending had a massive impact on me. And I, I just, I don't know, I was about 17 when I watched it and I probably hadn't watched a film quite that sort of deep and interesting with some of its themes. And maybe that's why it affected me the way it did. You know, when you watch films sometimes and it's, it's you'd say it's this person's film. Mm-hmm. Would you say this was a Robin Williams film? Would you say it was a De Niro film? Or that is a really cool question because it's oh, I'd say it's more Bobby's, just but only just. I think it's so close, fifty fifty. But you think about the acting that he had to do for his character, um, because Bobby's Bobby's the ill one, um, listeners. Um, and I love the way I'm calling him Bobby. Just like. <laughs> <laughs> get a call from his lawyers going could she not act like she knows him yeah, um, that's right Robert De Niro's lawyers are listening <laughs> to this we can stop calling him Bobby <laughs> they listen to everything probably um, so I think just from that and I don't know whether he maybe am I I think I'm thinking of this wrong I think he might have got an Oscar I think there might have been an Oscar in this film not Robin but maybe Robert, but I might be wrong there. Um, so I would only just, but yeah, it's really close between them. It's fifth, nearly, it's like 55 45. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, I say it's a weird film. I, I still, I still don't know how I feel about it completely. I mean, enjoyed it. Really good film. Really, really good performances by everyone. I don't think there was a weak link in this film. Um, but it's just, I don't know. It's, I came away with this not knowing how I felt about it. It was just an awkward one to watch in some ways. And especially when, you know, like I say, it's based on the true story and the way it ends. And, you know, like I says, if we do the Patreon special, we can do a deep dive into the way it ends. But, um, but yeah, really good film. Enjoyed it. Anything else to say on Awakenings? No, no. I, I think that kind of covers it without getting into spoiler territory. I think the only other thing I'd say is that we're going to cover a variety of Robin Williams films here. And I think that it's, his acting and we'll obviously we'll talk about the different films but this is the one where he's just so deadpan and he he plays it brilliantly and even in some of the other films where he's he's still deadpan he has those light-hearted moments where in here it feels like it's predominantly deadpan and straight-faced and almost poor-faced and then you go to the other you know the flip side zone where he's all eccentric and crazy and whatnot and i think it just shows off, shows part of his acting range, you know, yeah. from you look at this and then we get to films like, I don't know, Jumanji or, or whatever. And it's just a complete polar opposite, which I think is brilliant. But anyway, should we go to the next film on my list? Yeah. 
Okay, so the next one on my list of uh, the 1990s was his appearance in Hook. His appearance? His appearance. <laughs> I don't know why I said appearance. Which we can speak about a his little bit, bit more. Yeah. yeah. He had uh, a passing a passing <laughs> glance in Hook. Um, which I'm going to start talking about this because I did watch this again in preparation for the show. And I... I've always liked this. We touched back on this during the 90s episode we did. And I think we spoke at the time about how it did get a bit of a kicking, but we both loved it. And watching it back again now, I love it more than ever. Mm-hmm. I think it's I I genuinely got upset watching this film of film a few times. I got upset right at the beginning because I knew what was coming. And because, and again, it's Peter Pan, right? I'm doing spoilers for Peter Pan. It's an old <laughs> enough story for people to know what Peter Pan is about, right? But it's like age, so he doesn't remember the fact it was Peter Pan. And I found that really upsetting. I'd forgotten that in a, in a weird way. And I found it, like, really sad that he'd forgotten it it aged. I'm oh, sorry, they'd forgotten that it used to be Peter Pan. And then you go through this whole thing, and, and there's this amazing scene which... I'd forgotten how much I liked it, but it's when he's with the Lost Boys and they don't think he's Peter Pan. And there's that one little kid, the tiny one, that, that oh. starts touching his face and that it's Pan. And then that I cried at that. I've oh. not cried as much at a bloody film in ages and I've seen some right tearjerkers. But this one isn't an upsetting film, but I don't know why. It just tickled my emotions watching it this time. But it's just an absolutely beautiful film. Uh, but weirdly... Weirdly, and I think I may poke the hornet's nest a little bit with this one. Oh, that's some interesting eyebrows there. I think that Julia Roberts makes this film. Right, okay. I think that she's the the, the string that starts and ends, and it's like keeps everything together throughout the film. Tinkerbell, not Julia Roberts. I mean, she, Julia Roberts obviously plays it brilliantly, but I think that performance is absolutely amazing. And we may talk about that in a bit more detail on the future show. Who knows? But I watching it, well, like it was that I was drawn to that performance almost more than any other. But I thought again, I thought everyone in this film was brilliant. The lost spot. I mean, some of those kids there must be about four, and they're awesome. They're all awesome. <laughs> you can do. There's like a BuzzFeed article now. You can see what they all look like growing up. Well, I know what I'm doing this evening. <laughs> Um, that's really interesting about the Julia Roberts thing. I thought it was an interesting take on Tinkerbell because obviously Tinkerbell in the original story and in the original Disney, she's quite a spoiled little, she's almost quite spoiled and she kind of goes huffy puffy um, all the time. Um, I'm not sure how I felt about her being completely in love with him, but hey, um, I think that, I mean, for me, it's um, it's Hoffman and Hoskins who who own that film and steal that and steal that show for me just um just personal preference um really cool fact i found out because i was um online just sort of looking at general facts about robin williams and some of his films really cool thing about right so start the film they have to go in a plane and he's really scared of and he's scared of flying (laughs) um there's an announcement made on the plane. It's Dustin Hoffman because Hook's announcing on that plane. He's already in control. He's already getting Peter back to Neverland. I didn't know that. That's no, no. I, I think unless you've been told, you would never catch that that's Dustin Hoffman's voice on that plane. But that's awesome. 
I mean, I will just touch on a couple of things. I think uh, Dustin Hoffman, all the performances, but Dustin Hoffman is it's amazing. You wouldn't, I had to check who it was. Yeah, I was the same. Like, and, it blew my mind. I don't know who I thought it was, but I'm like, I didn't realize. And also, um, I think the Julie Roberts thing, the, the Tinkerbell thing, I think what it is, it's like she initially is the one that takes him back. It's like when Hook's about to kill his kids, she's the one that convinces Hook not to do it. You know, it's like all these key moments, they all subtly, subtly, there you go, I can't say the word, I'm from Yorkshire, subtly hinge on Tinkerbell. Mm. And I don't think I've ever noticed that before, but I just watched it this time. And then you say the bit where she, you know, she pops out of a house and wants to kiss him and whatnot. And it's like, I cried at that. What's going on with me? What's your bloody hook? I ain't cried about six times during this film, and I've seen it before. I never cried at it before. I don't know what was going on with it. I found the whole thing very emotional. But yeah, I think it's that. I think it's that so many of these important moments hinge on what Tinkerbell does. I think it's that. But yeah, it's, yeah, definitely different from the from the book. But coming back to Robin Williams, I, I, it was amazing in this. The mm-hmm. the performance and just. Again, you can see the transition almost in the film. I spoke before about how he was in Awakenings compared to how he was in Jumanji. He does that in one film here. He goes mm. from the the deadpan Peter Pan to the to actual pan. And there's that moment, and I still love it, where they're pretending to eat the food. And then all of a sudden he throws it at the mm-hmm. uh, was it Rufio opposite. And then you can see it all. And that's just an amazing scene because... I mean, A, it's not food, is it? It's like plasticine. Yeah, it's really well, weird. Yeah, I don't get why they use that, but <laughs> yeah, that rice pudding would have been better, surely. Something they could eat. Um, but yeah, it's just an amazing scene where you see this transformation where he just actually then becomes Pan. And then there's a scene where he starts flying as well. It just these almost real moments of hope. And I think maybe that's what it was. Brought me back to the childhood a bit where it's just oh, the moments of hope you need. It's amazing. Yeah. Now, did you twig Phil Collins on this watch through? Because when we, we talked about it before, you were like, is he in it? What? <laughs> yeah, I did because I paused it and I went, she was fucking right. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I did spot Phil Collins, but I... Also, how can I say this? The other thing that threw me was um, I also got confused. When we spoke about it before, we spoke about um, the home run Jack thing and getting mixed up. Mm. Somehow I'd then forgotten that for the film because in my head, when we spoke about it before, I'd said something wrong and then I got all that wrong. And they come to me, well, I'm right. And then I went back and listened to the episode and I thought I was wrong about the thing that I thought I was wrong about. Oh, well, there we go. There's a there's a pickle for people to go and... Um tear to pieces and uh, what year did this come out 91 probably yeah go back to 91 listeners and see see what that jumble is <laughs> there's words in there somewhere that makes sense but um but yeah it's just oh, absolutely adored this film from start to finish i changed my ranking of it i think i'd ranked it eight out of ten before and i just bumped it up straight away to a ten because <laughs> like, of the crying because of the crying <laughs> and the amount of julie roberts legs you see you know let's be yeah. honest you've got to put that in there <laughs> It's really tickled me. Uh, (laughs) Lovely, lovely stuff. Anyway, that was Hook. Anything else to add on to Hook? (laughs) I can't can't better that you you gave it 10 out of 10. 
because it made you cry. That's lovely. It didn't just make me cry. It made me cry a lot, like <laughs> all the way through the film. And it's, oh, I know we spoke about it on the previous show, but it's worth mentioning again. Rufio. Yeah. Now, here's a question. When you first saw Rufio, were you endeared to him? Or did you think, there's a dick? I didn't like him. No. Because he was mean. He was mean to Peter. And I think I, I think Robin Williams would have definitely be on my list. And I think I probably had a little crush on him as well. And so he was too mean. Too mean for me. And like the, the skateboarding thing. Nee. Yeah. I didn't want him to die. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I didn't <laughs> Yeah, because he might die or he might not. We don't know. Um, I know a really, I saw another really cool fact uh, <laughs> specifically about him. You know, there's the bit where he runs really quickly at, at Peter and he puts the sword and the sword touches his nose like mm. that. They filmed that in reverse. Oh, is that the cool fact? Mm-hmm. Right, okay. They filmed it in reverse, and you can tell if you look at it. Right. To make so it could look that fast. Because he could you couldn't like train him to like to go and do that run up and not slice Robin Williams in half. It'd be a fun train, wouldn't it? No, I mean, no. <laughs> we can't risk, we can't risk Mr. Williams. Um so That's, yeah, I thought that was a cool fact. Especially now we found that he's on your list. What Robin? Yeah. Oh, he's oh, it's a beautiful man. He wasn't on your top ten. Well, because he's dead. <laughs> yeah, but like at his prime. Well, yeah, but I don't think anybody dead was on my top ten, were they? I'm sure. Like the whole reason of having that list is Rick Mail. Was he? He was number two. Was he? <laughs> Rick Mail on your meat market list that you did. It's close really? to the picture. I'm pretty sure Rick Mail was number two on your list. Oh wow. Okay. I thought I kept them all all live ones. If you're a Patreon subscriber and you've heard Emma's meat market list, let us know what was number two. Pretty confident it was Rick Mail. Um and uh, I think that's a nice quote. I thought they were all live ones. <laughs> Damn, I've let one of the dead ones in. Because I've well, no chance now. The other exactly. nine. Exactly. If there's at least if they're alive, there's a slight chance. On that note, mm-hmm. um, okay. So moving on, from, what do you want the next in my list? Yeah, go on. Now this one I didn't watch specifically uh, again, but I have seen it before, and I know that it's a film you're very fond of because you shouted at me an awful lot on a previous episode that this did not make my top 10, so I thought it would be worth speaking about now, and that film is Aladdin. Oh, good, good, good. Go on, spread the love on Aladdin. Right, so I remember Aladdin being important to me because it was a Disney, it was a new Disney film, and I felt it came out when we were the perfect age for a new Disney film to come out, so I kind of see it as my Disney film, or maybe our Disney film, because like we're the same age. And so that was exciting, but also like we got the best, there couldn't be a best sort of main actor to come in it. We get fucking Robin Williams as the genie. So it was like that extra special thing. And 
it's just magical. His performance is often rated as one of the best voice performances in that film. And I think a lot of the stuff he did was improvised. So it's just basically, and this is one of the things I really love about him and you hear about this so often is like so many people just stick him in front of a microphone or just stick a camera on him and see what happens. And I I can't imagine ever, because I think most people know that I had aspirations at one point to be a comedian. Um, not successful, obviously, but he, I think it's the other reason why I find him mesmerising. His brain was so quick. And you see it when he's in interviews as well. He's just always thinking about the comebacks he's got. And that's one of the other reasons why I really love him in Genie. But again, he does show that range. So he's like, that manic genie for 85% of the film. But there's a beautiful moment at the end where he's free and the way he says, I'm free, that make you cry. That would, I think that would make you cry as an adult because that whole thing that we think about, we're shackled to our lives once we're grown up. So that idea about being set free to do what we want, that's a beautiful thing. And the way he delivers that, he breaks away from that zany comedic character just enough for it to be he just did heartfelt I just can't quite explain it the way he could do that just go straight into so that you kind of I don't know sort of so endearing I think I mean I cried at Tinkerbell not not succeeding with Peter Pan, so I probably will cry at that scene in Aladdin at the minute, actually, the way things are going. But, but yeah, I did like Aladdin in the film. It didn't make my top ten that year because I did think there were ten better films, but um, it's, it's a really good film. And I think I agree with what you say about his performance. I think my the issue I have sometimes with animated films is that I struggle to associate the actor with the character because I can't see them. It's to me because it's animated. I can only sort of associate the the, the character on screen with it. So it's, it's, it's a weird thing how my brain works that way. But I do get what you're saying completely. I think that film though now, um, when we look back on it, it's, it's from what I hear it's a little bit inappropriate in places in terms of uh, racial overtones. Mm. Like, uh, yeah, what, what? So, like his character at the very start? Yeah, I think that Disney went back and uh, when they put it onto Disney Plus, they changed some of the, the music and a few of the lines to be less. Oh, wow. Okay. Less, um, less racist, basically. Oh. Well, well fortunately, right, the line I always think about is when he first comes out of the lamp. Um, and it's 10,000 years, we give you half a crick in the neck. And, then he, and I also like the fact they go, can I call you out or maybe just din? It's like, it's like when he first comes out of that lamp, it's just line after line. After. I used to know that film off by heart. I'm very disappointed um, that I don't, you won't be disappointed that I don't know it off by heart anymore because <laughs> that'll be the only lines I deliver from it. No, I like it when you sing because it gives me good promotional material for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> when you're singing there and do your quotes. Uh, what did you, on speaking of singing, what did you think of uh, Katie Price and Peter Andre's version of I Can Show You the World? Absolutely horrendous. And I think you see the point at which um, Peter Andre's um, soul dies um, <laughs> during that. Really. But, but I see that in two different ways. So it is horrendous. And it's like the 
couple that get married and they have karaoke at their wedding reception and the bride's like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'll be good. It's fine. It's my wedding. Of course I can do it. Of course I could do it. And like the, the guy's like, going, yeah, of course you can, babe. Of course you can, babe. Yeah, we'll do it together. Do it together. Go out there. Do it together. Yeah, it's fine. Oh, no world. And then he's like, don't you dare close your eyes. And you can see it in his eyes where he's just like, what the fuck i was supposed to renew my musical career not bury it forever one of the best things for me on this show is when you have conversation with yourself (laughs) it's genuinely brilliant i think you should do it more often you should do a show uh just you and you can just pretend to be me you know you do a brilliant an inverted commas brilliant impression of me and just do that for an hour and a half we're away I'll get to feel what you feel like. I think you feel like you just talk to yourself. <laughs> well, I'm feeling quite often, you don't notice, but I nip to Lou sometimes. Come back and he's still going. People don't know I've gone. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, now I must say, I'm not much more to, uh, to uh, words. I don't have much more to add to Aladdin. Uh, anything else from you on Aladdin? No, but it. Uh, Oh no, we have to, we just have to really quickly go da 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 da. (laughs) And then that will get that stuck in people's heads for the rest of the day. Well, aren't you a treat? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we next move on to the film. Oh, this is my list again. I'm sure there'll be some that I've missed that you come back to at the end. Uh, we'll move on to the film where a man impersonates a woman to infiltrate a home. Intru- oh, my word. Where the man impersonates a woman to infiltrate her home. Uh, the wonderful Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, um, which, um, if I've not mentioned it, I've mentioned before that you can find that really funny um, take on The Shining where they recut the trailer as though it's a comedy. You can get Mrs. Doubtfire like it's a thriller. Also brilliant to watch. I can imagine because it's, it's um, <laughs> I don't know, when when you step back, so forget watching it, but when you step back and look at like the premise of the film, you think about it, it's a bit scary. I, yeah, I would say this is really, I find it really, I know we use this word a lot, but I do find it really problematic. <laughs> and like, I see it from a completely different point of view. When you watch it as a kid, and again, I think it comes out in like 93 or 94, we're still only about 12 when that comes out. So we're all we see is Robin Williams is hilarious because he, well, I do voices like that. He does voices and then he dresses up as a woman. And, so, and, then, and I think almost as a kid as well, you go, he's the most amazing ultimate dad in the world. The lengths he'll go to just to see his children. That's absolutely amazing. And then how would I feel if, if an ex did that? <laughs> Probably get quite freaked out. Yeah. I'd agree because it, there's two ways to watch it. I don't think it has to be kid. I think it, you can sit back and go, let's have some fun and watch a zany film. Or you can sit back and go, oh dear, <laughs> that's not right. Well, then it's to make you start doubting anyone you let in your house just in yeah. case. <laughs> but I think when you watch it, as in, do you know what? Let's just watch a film that's a bit fun and a bit nuts. Yeah. I, I do think it works. I do think it's quite funny. I don't think it's hilarious, but I think as its moments, I think it's warm at heart. I think that it's one of those things where, you know, even if you were looking at it from a, a straight-laced point of view, yes, 
Robin Williams' character is wrong to <laughs> pretend to be a woman and move into the house, but it's done for the right reasons. You know, it's done for yeah. a warm-hearted reason. So as much as it's wrong, it's done not for a nice reason. There's nothing sinister there. There's some wonderful comedy moments. And, it, you know, my favourite, I'm sorry, is always going to be the one where he sets his breasts on fire. It just is. Um, but I just, it's My just first a, day as a woman, and I've already had hot flesh. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, and yeah, I just think it's that. I think it's just a really nice, pleasant film. It's not one where I'd sit back and go, Oh, that's a really great performance, or Oh, that's such a wonderful moment. It's just a really nice, pleasant film to watch as long as you don't take it too seriously. Yeah, and it has got some good lines and stuff. Yeah, and it's it's just him being his his very best like one of his very best comedy performances he's in his element isn't it um again got a nice example of um when he's just improv but they left it in the film anyway so there's a thing where the court lady goes to look at mrs zellner and goes to visit him in his flat and he's making her a cup of tea she goes i would love a cup of the english tea like that so he and he has to put his face in the cake so it's a face pack and he's making the cup of tea and the and it's not supposed to drip off his face and it drips into the cup and he just runs with it and i always and it's one of my favorite lines is it goes in oh you've got a little cappuccino <laughs> <laughs> and i really i love that scene in general because the panic and the sort of manicness of kind of like splatting your face in a cake because you've lost your face because it's gonna get run over by a van and then he's like running in and out and he's like nice to meet you dude and then he goes back to, to going back to being like his male self and so he can go and see her and stuff um it's there's just some really good bit and i really like the bit with his brother where he first they go through all the the different versions of who she might be um and it's that thing of um i can't remember the name of the actress they say but it's just where he goes oh i don't think i have the string <laughs> i just <laughs> One one thing I don't get, so like when you're an actor and obviously you play a role and then the other actor says something funny and you don't laugh, and I can get that because you expect the line to be coming. But when you get Robin Williams improvised on a line like that, how do you stop yourself from laughing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Either way. Anything else on Mrs. Doubtfire? No. Okay. Next film on my list is Jumanji. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on Jumanji? I'm not a fan. Okay. Not I mean, you're incorrect, but yeah, fine. Um, I will tell you why. So um, I mentioned, you might agree with me when you realise why I don't like it. So um, I have a real problem with anything that brings about metamorphosis. Metamorphosis makes me feel sick and I really, really struggle with it. I also really struggle with anything in a film or even TV show where something happens to a character that they haven't got any control of. Now, now this is wide open about my control issues as a person. I get that. I've been to therapy, but I can't watch stuff like Jumanji because they start turning into things and there's things comes like shooting through buzz. I can't watch Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. It makes me feel ill. I mean, they, they, you've hurt my brain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Like, genuinely, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to respond. Like, my immediate thought is, let's do a special watching The Fly. <laughs> no, that, <laughs> that actually makes me want to throw up just even thinking about it. Don't watch the video version of this, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> stick to the audio. Um, but no, I can't. Metamorphosis and uh, right, okay. Well, let's put that to the side because I can see why that's a genuine phobia. I get it, although it does rule out an awful lot of film and TV. And I don't know why this hasn't come up before <laughs> when all the conversation we've had and the stuff I've suggested we watch. Cocoon, could you watch Cocoon? No, could I? I don't know. Is that the one about the things under the earth, or is that the old people one? That's the old people. Um, I don't know. I thought yes, but I'm thinking now no, because I'm feeling like do people age out of their control? If the answer is yes, then no, I can't watch it. Well, that's a bit of a spoiler, so I'm not going <laughs> to answer that one. But, but uh, I would suggest don't watch it. Um, okay, right. Okay, let's just let's tie that up in a nice little ball and we'll put the metamorphosis to the side. Could you watch the butterfly effect? I've seen the butterfly effect. I mean, it's yeah. nothing to do with metamorphosis. What with it having the butterfly in the title? <laughs> I didn't know. No, I've seen it. Right, okay. That's fine. So word association is fine. Just yes. actual physical metamorphosis. Changes to somebody that they're not in control of makes me feel extremely sick. And the the key one I always go to, the reason why I mentioned it, it's Willy Wonka. The bit I absolutely hate in that is when the little girl turns into a big blueberry. And I can't believe I just managed to say the sentence because that is, I won't be able to sleep tonight now because I'll just keep thinking about that. I mean, this control thing just explains <laughs> an awful lot. So much. Like when we did our, our, our top 10 with Peter Garbatch and we agreed the rules beforehand and then you somehow want to take control of the rules again when we started. And change them to what we'd originally agreed. Yeah. Okay. Right. Control. Interesting. I'm going to go find some films to recommend. But anyway, Jumanji. I I, I enjoyed Jumanji. I think it's a really good film. I think I can remember Robin Williams's quote at the time when uh, he was talking about it. And he was talking about how part of the reason he decided to do this is because he'll never do an action film. He'll never be an action hero. So this is the closest he should ever be. And it's one of those films, Jumanji, where for me, it's not the the greatest film of all time. Uh, well, definitely not the greatest of Robin Williams, and I'm sure you'll agree with your silly phobias. Um, but a phobias are silly. I'm going to put that video clip out. Um, that's what a phobia <laughs> is. A phobia means irrational fear, so I'm correct in saying that. <laughs> yes, so it's not the greatest performance or the greatest film, but to me, it's one of those films that is harmless, I suppose, unless you've got a fear of metamorphosis, but is harmless. This is going to go on now, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's a film that is harmless and you can sit back, bang it on and just enjoy it and have fun watching it. There's, to the best of my knowledge, there's nothing controversial about it. There's no <laughs> sinister undertones. There's no unproblematic. I don't think any of those things apply. You can just put it on and have a good time watching the film unless you've got phobias. So let's skip on from Jumanji. And I'll just skip on if there's anything else you want to say. No. Okay, cool. Uh, and let's move on to my next film, which is, I don't know if you'll like this one or not, Jack. <laughs> yeah, don't mind it. Right, okay. Um, 
I really like this film. I've never seen this film before. I watched it specifically for this show. And controversially, and I'm going to say it now because I'll probably forget, I think this is Robin Williams' best performance that I've seen him in. Um, I think that Peter Pan is up there, and I know you disagree, don't worry. Um, Peter Pan is up there for the, the, the different reasons, but I... And I could be completely wrong with this because I don't know if you're aware, but I'm not a trained actor. Mm. Well, you'd be surprised. I'm, I'm, I know, but um, I'm going to have to act on this show sometimes. Um, <laughs> but I think this is like, must be the hardest performance. I think the way he does it, and it's like by the end of like, or 10 minutes into the film, I believe he's 10. Mm. I just accept that he's 10. It's like, I think it kicks off with him oh, very early on. So the scene of him as a 10-year-old, he's, he's falling over and starts crying and holding his knee. And it's like, at no point do you think that's not a 10-year-old doing that. Mm. You just accept that you buy into it straight away. And that's why, I mean, it's I think it's his best performance because it must, in my opinion, it must be the hardest one to do, the one that's most different for him from anything else because it's a completely different character so yes uh, and i appreciate that most people disagree with that but i think from when i look at it that's how i see it now don't get me wrong there's some phenomenal performances we've said a few already i love the peter pan one and i think that's just because of the transition that the character goes through i think he plays that brilliantly mm. i think this one for for that reason is, is the best performance for me of the 90s um i also really like the film because i bought into it straight away because he sold me on the character and, you know, right at the start where he's kind of hiding behind his curtains, looking at kids, and eventually he makes all the friends. And then he, oh, I just, I just found it really, really heartwarming. Just a joy to watch. I've never seen it before. And it's one of those films where I went, I thought, I'm glad you asked to do Robin Williams because I wouldn't have ever seen this film otherwise. And it was kind of on the bottom of my list of films to watch. So I'm glad we had time for it. I'm glad you had your meltdown so I had time to watch Jack. So, yeah, just throwing all the bonuses my way today. Um, but, yeah, just I just really, really enjoyed the film. Ah, it's a long time, long time since you see it. I remember being a bit heartbroken because he gets bullied, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. And now he comes through it, um, but they're quite cruel, aren't they? to begin with sort of because what i was pleased about was it didn't last for too long mm. my sort of guess was it was going to be like half the film of him being bullied then the second half it comes out of it but it wasn't there were and to be fair i don't even think it was particularly bullying there was a couple of kids that did but i think they were just being kids you know mm. when you take to kids to the supermarket and there's that one person that's maybe overweight or something and your kid says look at that fat person <laughs> Yes. So that's what kids do. I think yeah. it's just that more than anything else, but obviously they're saying it to another kid and then they embrace him immediately. And I thought that's what 99% of kids that age would do. It's only teenagers that don't do that. But, you know, as, um, is it my chemical romance? Teenagers scare the living shit out of me. So, but, and I work with them, whatever. Um, but I just, I don't know. I think that because it was about five minutes of that, Initially, it's sort of his fear of them. Then the five minutes of a bit of teasing and then acceptance. I loved it. I didn't mm. dwell on it. That's not what the film was about. The film was about Jack. And, yeah. and that was it. And I just thought it was... And there's that wonderful scene where they want him to come out and play. I think it had, something had happened. I forget what. And they want him to come out and play and he won't come out. And they're taking turns to go and call for him. And his, his mum, I think he's... I can't remember the actress now, uh, the actor now, but 
the excellent players his mum played it brilliantly just going back and forth at dawn it's just I don't know I just found it really heartwarming really uplifting it just reminds me that uh, when kids aren't taught hatred they're awesome they yeah. just accept you and every bugger gets on it's only later on when they're taught to dislike stuff and dislike people and they're taught hatred that's when it comes in but at that age it's just like oh you're different oh that's a bit weird but you're awesome come and play I love it. Yeah. What is it that one of the kids learns something about him or something that he's got that's really cool? And that's the buy-in, isn't it? There's something that he can do, something he's really good at. Or I can't remember quite what it is. Um, and then as soon as they know that about him, they're like, oh, yeah. I think there's a, a couple of things. I think they ask him to play basketball. Uh-huh. And obviously, because he's uh-huh. about four foot taller, he's obviously does that well um and then there's a bit when they realize it can buy porn mugs oh uh, yeah that'll be it yeah, yeah that's probably it which for um, like 12 year old lads that'll do it yeah <laughs> is there a bit as well where um his mum they, they play nerf nerf guns in the house yeah because that was uh, i remember when i watched that i was like that's the mum i'll be that is not the mum i am <laughs> that that um oh, I'm not gonna mention anything about that. Um there is one no, screw it, I'm gonna there is one problematic thing about this show, and that is Bill Cosby. It needs to be mentioned. Bill Cosby's in it, and oh. it, it really, really took me out of the film a little bit because at mm. the start he's his tutor. And there's a point well, it was the bit where Jack falls over and he's hurt his knee, and Bill Cosby's rubbing it better and kissing it. And I'm like, no. Immediately, I didn't mm. like the film at that point, but then he goes out of it, and for like 95% of the film, he's not in it. And mm. I think if it had been in it all the way through, I'd have struggled. And I know we've spoke before about me accepting people in films, but I think it was that because he's having that loving, caring relationship, and I think that's where I would have struggled, weirdly. Whereas with other films, I'm fine, but that immediately it was jarred me. Yeah. It's like, you get your hands off, Jack. It's very much how protective of him, which again is probably a testament to Robin Williams and how well he played that role. And that I immediately felt that protective. I wanted to kick Bill Cosby in the head. <laughs> get off my Jack. Your Jack. Indeed. I wonder how many times he's played a Jack. I've got a nephew called Jack. And um, yesterday, as we record this, yesterday, I taught him to say, <laughs> like this, I taught him to say, that's what she said. So for the entire time while we are at my mum's house having this party, every time someone said anything, do you want another sausage? That's what she said. It's the best thing ever. That's amazing. Yep. It is the best thing I've done this decade, I think. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. That's Jack. I'm, I'm, I don't know. Like I say, probably in my opinion, my favorite performance, maybe not favorite, I don't know. In my opinion, his best performance, but that's just my take. Um, the next film I am going to mention is Goodwill Hunting, which yes. um, I know you are a big fan of. I am, and I'm excited because when we spoke about it, I think you hadn't seen it, but I think that's changed now. So people know what my opinion on it is. Let's hear what your opinion on it is. I thought it was marvellous. Oh. I thought it was a really lovely film. It's a different film to what I thought it would be. 
I didn't know what I expected it to be, but I can remember in the past avoiding watching it mm. because I thought it was something else, and I just really liked it. I, um, it's just again it's a bit like Jack for me it just felt like a heartwarming film it never felt like it would, it would have been really really easy for the film to go cheesy another poem for you there look I'm on fire again um, but yeah it would have been but I don't think at any point it does and it's not Robin Williams's biggest performance in, in terms of you know screen time it's very much um, uh, Matt Damon isn't it? that's his it's, it's his film um, but I think Robin Williams is brilliant. It. I think that Matt Damon is brilliant. It. I think that the other guy whose name I've forgotten, who's currently doing Jello. Yep. And I'm not even a Ben Affleck fan, but he's brilliant in it. I think he plays it brilliantly. And they wrote the screenplay, didn't they? They wrote it them yeah. too, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And uh, just it was just a, a really, really nice film that I don't know. There's that moment where uh, it's saying it's not your fault. It's that one. That. Weirdly, I had a similar reaction. I forget the names of the characters now, but I had a similar reaction to Matt Damon's character. And at first, when he said, it's not your fault, he's almost getting annoyed. It's like, you've said that, you've said that. And I'm like, oh, fucking, you've said it. Come on, shut up, move on. And then he breaks. And I'm like, oh, I get it now. Oh, this is sad. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was a really, uh, I could say it would have been easy to go into cheese, really easy, but they never did. They trod that line really, really carefully. And I think that's brilliant. Yeah, I would. I think he does, in terms of the character, that character does what every good therapist does. They know exactly how much to tell to somebody to get them to start talking properly and open up. Um, so I really like that bit. I love the story he tells about his wife. His wife's died and he talks about she would fart really loudly in her sleep and she did it once that so loudly that it woke her up. And that really makes Will laugh when he tells him. And they can't, again, it's that warmth. I, oh, I, I've just never known anybody that could deliver warmth in the way that Robin Williams could in such a believable way. He must have been so good at using his life and his feelings to portray. Because you just believe that's him. That's He's talking about his actual wife. You, you forget he's acting all the time, I think is is really key to it so yeah i agree and obviously that's his oscar yeah and i think that the, the word you said there was warmth and i've never really thought of that before and i think that probably describes all of his films mm-hmm. he brings a i don't know how it's a perfect word to describe him it's it's just and i don't think that's just acting i think that's him because yeah. he's that person he's able to deliver that performance you know, you wouldn't get Ben Affleck being able to deliver that warmth, you know. And I think it's, I don't know, just, it's a weird one. I think that I probably need to watch the film again, actually, having seen it once to give a almost like a proper critique on it, like I could critique anything. But, um, but no, I just, I don't know, a film you came away with feeling weirdly positive afterwards, feeling like you've watched the film, it's a heartwarming film, good performance all around, and it's kind of a happy ending as well. Mm. But not quite, because you don't completely know what's going to happen. But still that happy ending. Yeah. Um, and that thing with warm, the other thing, and if anybody knows of any, please don't send them in, because I quite like where my head is at with this right now. 
you don't hear of the shitty stories about Robin Williams. Everything seems to stack up that he was a really nice guy. So you hear lots of stories about he would always get um, homeless people employed um, on the sets of his films. Um, he, he always seemed to be able to talk to anybody. He didn't seem to have this thing of... he. He would never act like this Hollywood big shot. Just seemed really down to earth, no matter how successful he got. Just an everyman. Um, yeah, so just really likeable. And I think that's the other reason why warmth just emulates through all these roles that he does. I think that's key. You don't you don't hear anything bad about him. And how can I phrase this? Even obviously he's, he's, he's not with us now. It's like that's often when a lot of the stuff comes out, yeah. and it hasn't. And I don't think there is anything bad about it. I don't know him. I didn't know him, but you get that impression, and uh, you get the impression with him because it, it seems genuine. Nothing ever seems sleazy. You know, there's stuff with some people they seem a bit sleazy, and then like you say, stuff happens. But it just seemed like a really nice chap. I mean, he, you know, you look at the. All right, it's not nineties, but go right back to his Mark and Mindy days. He's just having a laugh, mm. and he seems genuine with it. I mean, one thing we didn't mention was his little cameo in Friends in that in, in that's mm-hmm. right, three uh, season three did a little cameo there, but and even in that, it's just like a, a passing part. And you look at all the other cameos in Friends; they're all big parts. You know, it might or big part for an episode, but his cameo in Friends, it's isn't it for about ten seconds or something, isn't it? Yeah, I know why that is though. Oh, well. uh, because they they just happened to be on set, so him and Billy Crystal um, were there when they were filming, and they they kind of went, oh, do you want to come and be at the start? And they did, and they and then it's another thing they improvised it, so the the cast don't know what they're going to say, so they're reacting to that story that they're that they're sharing. Cool, even better because you know there'll be some people there that are like, oh no, I want to be in it. I'm not coming in for ten seconds or mm-hmm. or whatever. And I think yeah. But uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what else I can say about Goodwill Hunting other than what I have done. I just think it's a really beautiful film. I think there's some amazing performances in there. I'm really pleased it keeps away from going down the, the cheesy route because it would have been easy to do. And just, yeah, really enjoyed it. Nice. Okay, and then the last film on my list um, I've seen of Robin Williams. I know you've seen a couple of others, but the last film that I've seen was Bans- I can't even say it. Bicentennial Man. Oh, Bicentennial Man. Yes. Oh, with your guy Sam Neill in it. With my guy Sam Neill in it. <laughs> yeah, so I've seen this. Uh, but I'll let you I'll let you um, lead. Again, this was one I watched uh for the recording of this episode. Um, not expecting what to, to get from this film, and I was really impressed. Um, by no means a like a great film, you know, it's not going to be in my top 10 of all time, like uh, Tommy and the T-Rex or anything like that. But I, I, so it's a weird film in a way because, I don't know, I, I didn't like the look of the robot to begin mm. with. And I think that took me out of it a little bit. But then obviously as the robot goes long, it becomes Robin Williams. And, and then I, I bought into it a bit more. But again, <laughs> Robin, Williot, Robin Williams plays a fantastic robot. Mm-hmm. He plays a fantastic fucking genie. He <laughs> plays Peter Pan. He plays like a 10-year-old. He plays, and then he plays a robot. I mean, look at that versatility. That's crazy. You know, the other characters there, yes, he plays them all brilliantly, but they're standard people. 
but a 10 year old a genie and <laughs> fucking robot and he somehow nails them all and yeah. i think it's brilliant and it, it's amazing seeing that that transformation from where he's physically acting like a robot physically and sort of mentally acting like a robot to go into his only mentally acting like a robot and then he goes from mentally acting like a robot to not acting like a robot at all and just those subtle changes just in the way he moves and just in the way he speaks and the way his eyes look where he's thinking just again not my favorite film by any stretch but just again an amazing performance i loved it yeah little miss that's what he calls her isn't it calls what little miss Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you said Loomis. <laughs> no. Thinking, what's <laughs> Loomis? Wasn't that in-house? What everyone thought they always had in-house? Oh, there's a real sadness attached. I, I got a lot of sadness from that film, though, and that thing of, because he's a robot, that whole idea of outliving his masters and, and stuff like that. Uh, but I do agree, it's a long film. It's about three hours, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think it was like two and a half, but yeah, it, it felt a bit longer than it needed to be. Mm. I get why it's that long. You try to get all the changes the robots in, but there was a bit where I'm like, yeah, <laughs> come on. <laughs> come on, we can we can move on now. We don't need to see quite so much. Yeah, I don't know. There's a couple of weird bits in it, like where they talk about giving him like genitalia, yeah. essentially. And it's like, I'm not going to show that, are they? I don't... I don't <laughs> I don't need to see that. And I'm glad she I didn't. Said. Yeah, that's what she said. I did tell her, my nephew not to listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's some weird bits in it, but it was just nice. And the way the film ended as well, I thought it did go a little bit cheesy, but I liked it. It's a sort of cheesy stuff I can accept. Where you had a film like that, it's the right way to end it, where eventually it gets accepted as being a... Oh, um, spoilers, if you haven't seen Bicentennial Man from the 90s, it's not the greatest film of all time, but whatever. You know, it gets accepted into the thing, and then the thing happens. That's what I'm saying. And I thought it was a really cheesy but appropriate way to end the film. So, yeah, I did enjoy it. Yeah. And that's all the Robin Williams films that I have seen from the 1990s, but... Before I move on to cover anyone's you've done, um, people can also find us in other places, can't they? They can find us on Facebook and they can find us on TikTok. So um, why should people follow us on Facebook and Facebook? Oh, dearie me. Why should people follow us on Facebook and TikTok? So it just gets you a little bit extra dose of us, really. So like, if you go onto Facebook, if you go on the Facebook page, that is the best place to sort of see the episodes as and when they go up live because there's always a link there. Um, but then go in the Facebook group because we, we duck in and out of there. You can have you can have little chats with us if you really want to. Terry puts a poll up every now and then to um, just to ruffle some feathers, mainly mine, to see uh, to see um, well, the way things will go normally on the back of me saying such and such is my favorite she's like well, i know i'll do let's have a poll and see if everyone votes against it um he thinks i doesn't i don't know but i do and uh, so that's why you should go on the facebook group to watch us try and wind each other up and um, terry more successfully than me and you should go on to tiktok decapod tv um we tend to put lovely little video clips out on there at the minute um and every now and then we also do have a bit of fun with a duet or something like that still working on building it up a little bit and what we need to do on there so it's just a bit of an extra fix 
Got better this promotion, Lark, haven't you? Wow, can't shut me up now. Yeah, nailed it. I like it. It's good. Uh, what about um, if they want more Terry and Emma goodness? Uh-huh. Well, then you should hop onto our Patreon um, and get bonus episodes where we talk about stuff that we don't talk about here. And um, we do special episodes at the minute. We're currently working our way through um, the 90s seasons of Friends. We also had a fabulous episode where I talked about men that I would like to sexualize um, both in my mind and in person. Only the live ones, though, not the dead ones. And um, yeah, and if you go onto there, you can not only get that, you can see the videos of us making this, but you can come on and have your own episode. You can have a top 10 episode. Um, I'd prefer if you talked about men because that's mainly the topic of choice that I have. But Terry insists that we allow it to be a top 10 of anything. Um, and we've got some patrons lined up to come and chat to us soon couple of things. Um, I have spoken to our esteemed patrons and they have made their decisions on what they want to talk about and I'm going to leave them as a surprise for you. <laughs> um, and I'm going to leave it as I that. Because you know I can't hide disappointment. <laughs> yes, I know that you can't hide disappointment. I see it, well, now on a fortnightly basis. Um, also, wow, it's like my little... Host has all grown up. <laughs> all the promotion, but I am no longer needed for this show. That's it. You can still do it. <laughs> no, I'm just, I can step back gracefully. You can have conversations with yourself. I'm not needed. And you can now do all the promotion. The only thing you're lacking at the minute is the end of the show, which you keep ballsing up. <laughs> One time. Twice. <laughs> Oh, but I forget that I edited one, so it, I'm sure I edited the mistake out. You didn't put it back in. <laughs> but but no, yes, uh, make sure you uh, go check out the Facebook group, uh, get some interaction, follow us on TikTok. Emma does the stuff over on TikTok. You can follow me on Twitter, uh, which is TGBCC, uh, where I do a lot of the promotion over there as well. And uh, yeah, the Patreon is marvellous. I'm looking forward to episodes that are coming up. Always great fun because we get to be a little bit more ruthless and playful, even more so than we are in the actual podcast because none of the serious people are listening. <laughs> the people that know what we like on them, which is great fun. So make sure you check that out. Um, okay, so what films... Have you watched that I haven't? Okay, so not many to cover, actually. Um, well, in terms of ones that I noted down, um, so the one that I wanted to mention was Toys. I haven't yeah, seen it. I can't I, come on. I won't I, have seen any of these films. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. All right. Yes, that was all my list. That was all of them. I've read oh, no, them. I thought you were just saying your favourites. That's literally the That's, ones that you've seen. Yeah, and if you think about that, I had to go back and watch one, two, three, four of those for the first time. That's how much Robin Williams didn't connect with me. As much wow. as I like him, there was no connection there. Amazing. Um, right, so I've got Toys, um, which, is, which is such a quirky film and actually i think it really divides people so um basically you've got a son and a daughter who inherit a, i think it's like a toy making factory and it gets taken over um and basically they it's their fight to preserve 
the factory for what it needs to be rather than some sort of evil toys that people want to bring in. Yeah, it's, um, it's I think, one of those roles where you kind of badged, it's badged as comedy, but it's quite serious. And it's, and he's quite, he's very good in it. He's got like bleach blonde hair in it. And kind of has this, because they've always grown up in like a toy place, they're quite zany people. His sister's brilliantly cast. It's Joan Cusack. I'd say she maybe even steals it a little bit because she underplays the zany a little bit. She's just more quirky. So I just kind of wanted to give it a shout out because I did love it when I was younger. So that's like comedy, but more serious. It's kind of in the way that American Pie is comedy, but romance. Oh, fucking hell. Why? Why would you do it? It's been getting on so well today. I don't know why you would do that. That's exactly Robin, why. We needed a bit of spice. Williams, and on the Robin Williams episode, you've done that. We've agreed with everything so far. I've got yeah. to give you a reason to bitch at me. Fucking hell. Right. Moving on from toys. Patch Adams. Um which you could almost argue is along the same lines as Awakenings. Um, so he plays a doctor in that, but it's a very different scenario. So he plays a doctor that wants to use humour to help people that are basically going through cancer treatment. Um, and so, again, it, it's really sort of dark theme maybe quite a triggering theme for a lot of people if you've experienced that or a loved one has gone through that um but it's also quite again it's quite heartwarming the way they kind of do it I liked it um but yeah I could understand why some people would find it an uncomfortable theme to watch because of the subject matter um too much but still a good performance by him I thought this is just you going really quiet I have nothing to add. I can't comment um, other than talk about things you don't like, like American Pie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can make that reference again if you want. No, it's fine. Um, Can I edit this one? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, no. (laughs) Okay, so the last film I'm going to talk about, and there are other films in the list that I will have seen because I've, when I looked through the list of the 90s films, I was like pretty comfortable. I'd seen most of them. With this major omission for me, um, and this is The Fisher King, um, and this is like 1990. Now, I'd heard about this film, and I'd heard it was a good film. I've got no reason why I've never seen this film. wasn't avoiding it. I hadn't passed for now about it. I'd always wanted to see it. So I watched it in preparation for this episode, and... It is immediately in my top three films of all time. I absolutely adored it as a film. It's had a life-changing effect on me. I was in a place last week. This film has lifted me out of that place. Uh, and It's given me a new perspective on so many different things and so many different levels. Um, It's Terry Gilliam directed. It's also got... um, Jeff Bridges in it, but 90s Jeff Bridges. And it's a bit, it's a bit, yes. Um, so it's kind of, it's got that element in it as well. But like to just I'm just gonna have to indulge myself a little bit. But I did say earlier, like I could do an entire 
episode on this, so we won't go too into detail and spoilers are coming up. So if you want to see The Fisher King, skip past this bit because I can't talk about this without there being some, some element of spoilers. So basically, The Fisher King itself is a fable um, and it's about um, a king that is seeking out the grail and he gets sort of um, fatally or sort of really seriously injured so he can't continue his quest for the grail. So he sends lots and lots of knights out to go... Um, find it for him none of them do and one day he's really thirsty and he asks the jester to get him a drink and the jester picks this cup up and hands it to him and the jester without knowing has picked up the grail and the king goes how did you why how did you find that why did you pick that one he went i just knew you were thirsty because this is what happens to me when um, a film has an impact i go off and like go well what what is the fisher king legend that i've done lots of reading about it so there's like this fable thing but that's not the story. It's not, that's not what that is. So the actual story is Jeff Bridges is a radio host and he's a shock jock. So he's a bit like Howard Stern. And at the very start of the film, he's got someone that calls into his show. And after his interaction with him, the caller actually goes off in, off into a restaurant and shoots five people and then shoots himself. And the story essentially is about Jeff Bridges' character coming to terms with that, coming to terms with his part in that um, and to a part where and sort of trigger warning coming up because there are some really heavy themes in the film as well that I'm about to talk about. So he sits really heavy with him that that's had this impact. So he goes and considers committing suicide. When he goes to do that, he gets attacked by some people and who comes to save him? But Perry, played by Robin Williams. Now, Perry is a very quirky, homeless man who you can kind of tell straight away isn't quite there with his mental health, is really struggling with some things and is that absolutely tapped, manic, I'd say mania sort of states that he's got. But he saves him and he brings him to safety away from the people that were trying to attack him. And it's through... Robin Williams' character, he tells him about the fable of the Fisher King and he tells him that he wants to go off and do this. And he also finds out that the reason Robin Williams' character became homeless was his wife. Oh, I just thought about this. You've not seen it and I might be spoiling it for you. This is true, but carry on. Oh. I'll put it on mute. <laughs> I mean, it's been on mute for the past 10 minutes, but whatever. I'm not interrupted for a reason. Okay. We're going to get to a point where you're going to lose your floor and I won't be able to edit this out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, but then you find out, I just feel really bad now, I just feel like I spoiled this film. And that wasn't my intention. Um, they're connected, basically. Um, and the reason why Perry is homeless is very much connected character and what happened at the start of the film with the, with the, the shooter guy. So Jeff Bridges spends the rest of the film trying to find a way to make things right for Perry. And the only other bit that I kind of wanted to talk about is he discovers with Perry that Perry's completely in love with this woman, uh, but from afar. It's like one of these things where he's been admiring her from afar. And the woman is Amanda Plummer, who people might know as, um, I think it's Honeybun. Is it Honeybun, the start of Pulp Fiction? So you know the two people that hold the, the, the restaurant up at the start of Pulp Fiction. The one that goes, but if you pricks move, I'll annihilate every last motherfucking last one of you. Her. Vaguely, yeah. Okay. Um, it's her, um, Amanda Plummer. Um, daughter of Christopher Plummer, I believe. Um, anyway, he's in love with her from, from afar. So 
Jeff Bridges' character comes with it that they have to get together. Anyway, spoiler alert, they have a date and the most amazing scene happens after they have this date. And basically the reason why this film had an amazing impact on me, I associated so much with the female character in this film. She's so jaded at dating and she kind of does this massive speech about... um, well, you know what what we're about to do, and he's like, "What are we about to do?" And he's like, "Well, you're going to come up. You'll have a cup of coffee." Um, and he, and he's like, "I don't drink coffee." And um, she said, "You know, then you'll want to stay, but in the morning you'll be distant, and now and you won't be able to stay for breakfast, but maybe I'll have another cup of coffee, and then you'll go, and we'll swap numbers, but you won't call me, and I'll feel good for about an hour, and then I'll slowly become a piece of dirt." And I thought that woman is talking what it feels like to date. 20 years later or 30 years later and so it really resonated with me so that bit made me cry because like that's what it's like we just all become pieces of dirt but we're the beautiful part of that scene is his reply to her is the most amazing reply so he's kind of like um I never was it was never my intention um that's not what I'm about. I'm actually in love with you. I know all these things about you. I know you don't like your job. I know you feel a little bit sad. I know you're a little bit lonely. If I could just get that first kiss, that would make me so, so happy. And I will call you tomorrow and I won't be distant, but please trust me. And he does this beautiful monologue back to her and you watch her react to it and she softens and she looks at him and she goes, you're real like that. And he he breaks through that thing and it's absolutely stunning. It's one of the best sort of scenes and it's one of the best films I think I've ever seen. And I'm so sorry because I've just like completely <laughs> described it. I mean, my memory's crap. By the time we get, I actually get to watch it, I've forgotten all that, so don't worry. <laughs> um, but the one thing, I can't really comment on it, obviously, because I've not seen it, but he did amuse me slightly by giving the trigger warning after he just spoke about how he goes in a cafe and kills five people than himself. Oh, yeah, it was. <laughs> well, like my spoiler alerts always come after the spoiler. Yeah, it's helpful. <laughs> well, there you go. It, it sounds nice. It sounds like a good film. Again, I can't comment. I haven't seen it. But judging by your reaction, definitely worth a watch. Yeah, absolutely. Completely. It's life changing. Um, and, it, and oh, sorry. And it it's. The thing that really hit me, it was released in 1990 in terms of the themes that it covers. So here's the themes that it covers. It covers um, it covers the theme of suicide. It covers the theme of men's mental health, specifically men's mental health um, and how difficult it is for men to sort of cope um, through times of tragedy and being allowed emotion. So it covers that like I said, it covers her her viewpoint on sort of dating in a modern world. It also kind of has anti-hero elements to it. It looks at homelessness and our attitude towards the homeless. And it looks at kind of society in general and how removed we are as people. You could release it today and people would say, oh my God, it's so relevant in the themes that it looks at. It's a piece of genius. Everyone should watch it. Oh, there you go. I'll add it to the list. <laughs> Any anything else on Robin Williams? Because the only other, I'm thinking about this. The only other film that I think I've seen actually that, but I can't remember was Flubber. Yeah, I think that is probably the only one I've not seen. Never. I think by the time that came out, I was probably getting to an age where I was like a bit old for this. I think I just remember there's like a green bouncy ball in it, and that's about all I can remember really. Um, 
Okay, so on the you spoke before about our Facebook group where we do polls. Well, we did a poll for the favorite Robin Williams film of the 1990s. Do you know what came out top of that poll? No, I just remember my shenanigans with that poll. What were your shenanigans? Oh, you voted on everything. <laughs> I voted for five. Yeah. Because I just because because they're all different. Um I don't know what I should I know? Was it Mrs. Doubtfire? Well, I mean, it's not group. <laughs> you should have a rough idea. Yes, it was Mrs. Doubtfire by a big margin. That one stormed it, which surprises me. Um, but we'll come back to that. Uh the second favorite was Hook, which was my I'll come back to that. Uh, but yeah, so I found it interesting. Although someone did vote for Flubber, Amanda Leek voted for Flubber. <laughs> Oh, Amanda. Yep. Uh, oddly, not surprised. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so interesting. I, uh, I'm i going to give mine, and then I'll let you give yours. So I kind of mentioned this already, but I think my least favourite Robin Williams films, Robin Williams film of the 1990s, uh, was Mrs. Doubtfire, I think. Your favourite? Least. Uh-huh. Least favourite. Uh, none of these are bad. But, you know, my least favourite was Mrs. Doubtfire. I think, as I said before, the best performance for me was his performance in Jack. And I think that my favourite film was Hook. Um, yeah, just watching it again, I think, it, I know, kind of bit, went on a bit of a monologue about it, but it was brought me back to my childhood. All these weird emotions came up. Julia Roberts' legs, Robin Williams' performance, Dustin Hoffman's performance, Phil Collins' performance, all exceptional. Uh, so who, what would your least and best performance be? Sorry, least and best film be and uh, best performance? Or would they all be the same? <laughs> so I oh, I think I think least performance or least favourite film is Toys because it didn't quite know what it wanted to be and the serious and the comedy don't quite blend as well as some of the others. And what was it? What? What was it? <laughs> which was your favourite? Fisher King. And which was the best performance by Robin Williams? Um, also the Fisher King. So I'm guessing then, as we sometimes do, we make a recommendation. So I'm guessing you would recommend Fisher King. I think I want everybody that I know in my life and who loves me to watch it. It's my only wish for this year. I think I would probably recommend Jack because I'd imagine most, or a lot of people have already seen Hook. So I think if I was, because I've not even heard of Fisher King before, you would tell me about it. So it's a good shout. So I'd probably recommend Jack. But either way, anything else to add on Robin Williams? Um, I miss him. I still think it's incredibly sad he's no longer with us. Um, and yeah, just just an, ama- just an amazing talent. And yeah, it's been nice. It's actually been nice revisiting the films and it, um, particularly getting to discover a, like this little nugget of gold that I didn't know was there the whole time. So it might make me go back because my problem that I have is, is when someone that I really love dies, I can't watch their stuff because I get too sad. So I still, I can just about watch Labyrinth uh, now after David Bowie died, just about watch that. So I've really um, avoided Robin Williams stuff because of that reason, because I just find it too upsetting, but this might push me back to go and look at some of those last pieces of work that he did. 
Awesome. I've enjoyed this one because it's made me go back and look at some stuff I would never have watched otherwise. Um, and I don't know why I didn't connect with Robert Williams before, as I said, but um, I feel a bit more connected with him now, which is good. And I'm absolute gems here, like Awakenings, uh, Jack, Goodwill Hunting and Bicentennial Man that I've never seen before. So that's all good. So um, I'll throw this one at you. Uh, what can people expect from Decapod going forward? What sort of shows have we got coming up with people over the next couple of months? Um, Julia Roberts. Excellent. Yes, I look forward to, <laughs> to talking about Julia Roberts. Um, anything else you'd like to add on to today's show? Uh, the mighty Emma Morgan. No, we maybe have a wheezy cough, a wheezy laugh. <laughs> it's my mission for every episode. I write down a goal. That's how every show on stays goal. I want you to have a wheezy cough. I want you to have a wheezy cough. <laughs> I've achieved five things today, and that's one of them. Is it? Yeah. What's the other four? Put my shoes on the right feet at the start of the day. <laughs> right. Is that one or two? I've achieved six things today. What <laughs> on us? Um... Okay, cool. So I, I will hand over to your more than capable hands to wrap up the show. Okay, so this was the week that was Robin Williams and his films of the 90s, where quite amicably, quite a lot of crossover for this week, which um, has surprised me a little bit. So where did we start? Um, where did we start? <laughs> was, it... <laughs> um, was it awake? <laughs> Was it Awakenings? It was Awakenings, yes. Right, so, okay. We awakened our love for him with the film Awakenings that he starred in um, with um, Robert De Niro, um, which was actually quite a serious start um, to our Robin Williams watching. So we started there and then we kind of skirted our way around into animation with Aladdin and then some cross-dressing with Mrs Doubtfire and lots and lots of voices um, then also looking at robotics in Bicentennial Man, um, Little Miss, and uh, then going back into that kind of heartwarming performance that he loved to give in things like Goodwill Hunting that earned him his Oscar. Um, there was Patch Adams. There was the ultimate sort of family feast, which was Hook. And then the film that changed my life, The Fisher King, that was Robin Williams. What always amuses me when you do these bits at the end is the times you choose to look at me. It's like two or three times from when you look up your notes. It's as if you're just checking that you've said something that's okay. Is that allowed? Is that allowed? That's interesting. 